Welcome to Doc Talks, brought to you from NerdWorks Media. Hi, welcome back to Doc Talks, where I Doc Talk. So catchy. I'm very catchy. I can't help it. How's everybody doing today? I hope everybody's wonderful. Hope everything's going amazing, or at least semi the way you planned it. We are continuing with clerics today. I have nothing important to add to any of the discussions that are going on in the community. We'd just like to remind you to make sure that your table is welcome for everybody, that your table is not toxic for anybody, and that anybody who's a human can come sit and play at your table. All tables are different, and we have to understand that. We have to take into effect that DMs, tables, the way people play, everything is different. And there's not a lot more that can be added to that for understanding purposes of Dungeons & Dragons. Or any tabletop, actually, now that I think about it. It's not all for Dungeons & Dragons. It's... For the tabletop community in general, most people cross-contaminate into other places. So, I think Mike is coming back. The NerdWorks will be back here shortly, back on his own channel. I'm not going anywhere, but you will see more content as it comes available. So, if I understand right, he was supposed to be flying in today. We're going to give him a bunch of days just to get settled. Next Monday here, we have something that should be going on unless some emergency comes up and uh, will be a normal addition to the NerdWorks Media family and I'm kind of excited for it. When I started Doc Talks, this podcast, I was not part of NerdWorks Media. In fact, I just planned on putting it out myself and I just wanted you guys to know that the idea of NerdWorks, the business of NerdWorks as it grows, is an idea that Mike has, and it's a wonderful idea, and that everybody should reach out to him and ask him what it's all about. We are going to jump back into Clerics, part three. So last two weeks we've been talking about Clerics, and we have covered... Quite a few of them, actually. So let's go back and just recap. I have talked about what all clerics have, what all clerics can do. And so far we've covered in alphabetical order. And remember, these are published cleric works. I would love to hear stories of unpublished or what you do or your games. I'm just, I, it's interesting to me that way. And I would love to hear from you. So far in clerics, we've covered Arcana, Death. Forge, Grave, Knowledge, and Life. This week we are going into Light. So just as a recap of those few, and then we'll jump into what all clerics have as a real quick recap, and then we'll jump in and see how far we can get. The Cleric of Arcana and in all domains are the focus of the Cleric, the worship of the Cleric. And yes, there is some talk in the D&D community And some people are very highly opinionated in one way or another of what clerics can and can't or where they can and can't get their powers from. I will tell you what I've always told you, which is talk to your DM. If they're anything like me, anything that's new, as long as it doesn't change the mechanics of the game, 
uh, or the world that we're playing in, I'm open to. If there are boundaries set from play in a homebrew world beforehand that stop you from doing it, either respect the boundary or talk to your DM about becoming the first of something new within that boundary. Boundaries are not all limitable boundaries. Some of them are what we call yellow boundaries, and you can push those. And that's just a matter of talking to your DMs about those. What you're trying to maintain is the table, the fun at the table, the other players. For you to remember that the DM is one of the players, and one of the jobs of the DM is to narrate the story that you are playing in. There's some talk about who they are, and I I just think everybody just wants an opinion. Because like any game, no matter if it's storyteller, DM, GM, whatever the lead person is, that person puts a lot of time in to create an environment for your characters to play in. And we need to respect that a little bit more as players. And I am not just a DM in D&D. First off, I have five different tabletop games running that I'm running, and there are two that I am playing in. And in all of those, I respect the DM and my groups and my play groups, or in MTG, we call them pods, and I like that, and I think we should, I don't know, adapt that. But the people that are at our table with us are part of our game. We are not the only one there. And so people take the rule of fun and go too far, which is me personally having fun. No, you having fun within the confines of everybody else having fun at the table is what a good D&D group is. And that is just what it is. There is no other definition. You cannot convince me any differently. You become that toxic player at the table, and you don't want to be that person. But anyways, Arcana was magic-focused. It's kind of, as I described in my games that I, I want to play or that I have used them as NPCs, clerics that are mainly clerics for magic shop owners, magic users of all different types. It could even be the confidant of a warlock trying to figure out what they are, depending on how you play it. Death was originally created to be the evil character. It's found in the the Dungeon Master's Guide of a fallen cleric of kind. But I could see, depending on your world, using that as just a concept. And we talked about that a little bit. The Forge cleric, I really like. I don't know why. My brain keeps going back to working on the Forge and the spiritual experience because all blacksmiths that I've ever talked to tell me about how much it is to be very spiritual to them in in working with the metals and doing what they do. And I think for a lot of creators, me as even a woodworker, I can understand what they're talking about. Knowledge or grave clerics would be the next ones, and those are more masters of life and death. They control who can fall from the mortal coil around them. They're very limited that way. Knowledge clerics are seekers of knowledge. Sometimes they know secrets that others haven't. They search out secrets that have been lost. However you want to play that, there's so many ways to do that differently. And then we talked about life clerics as our stereotypical clerics, but not stereotypical at all. And they have an ability to be martial as well as casters. Clerics are full casters that also can. 
And, and we have to remember that they are just more than just their spells. They could do so much more. And there is no limit to that. Even, the, I'm just talking from the rules, but whatever your head can wrap around. One of my last life clerics before, I'm in one D&D game right now on Fridays. And before that game, my I played another life cleric that was a pacifist. And I just wanted to see if it was possible. And I fell in love with that character. They never wore armor. They never carried weapons. And they were 100% support. They just believe in the sanctity of all life. And it was an interesting time for me. DMs, don't be lazy. Create every character that's playing at your table with your players. Make sure to give them time to go through their characters. Talk them through. They're coming to play at your table. And out of everybody there, you're the only one who knows what that game is going to be about so you can immerse them into the world. So let's go through real quick. All clerics get medium armor and shields to start. All simple weapons. They're divine casters. They change their spells after each long rest except for their domain spells that stay the same. Uh, One minute per spell level if you're doing it that way or if you're managing those resources. Every... Cleric has channel divinity across the board, and the first channel divinity they get is turn undead, which turns to destroy undead as later on, and there's certain CR levels with that. At 10th level and 20th level, you get the employer deity assistance. Basically, you have a chance to roll the hardest roll in D&D, at least in my opinion, because when you roll for this, At 10th level, you can try to invoke your deity to help you in a situation. You literally have to roll at 10th level a 10 or less for them to do that. All the way up to 19th level. The neat part is if you succeed on it, you can't use it for 7 days, but if you you don't succeed on it, you can try it the next day. At 20th level, it just happens. There's no more rolls. But who gets to level 20? So that gave us the breakdown. This is what all clerics get. Boom. So we're going to jump into some light cleric to start off. Now, I personally love light clerics. I enjoy them. The idea of the birth or living essence of the sun is kind of what encapsulates these. Uh, You could play them as a pyromaniac, but it is just a lot of fire and light. First off, you get an extra cantrip, which is a light cantrip, because of course you do. It's very rare. A lot of people don't use the light, but I think it's because we have home, our table ruled our dark vision to be you see in the dark, which is not what dark vision is. Dark vision allows you to see shapes and um, you see in a, a spectrum of gray and not color. So you miss out on a lot of details when you're just using dark vision you also miss off on a lot of other things and if you're playing it right there's actually a lot of disadvantage to it even if you have dark vision where having a torch or the light cantrip on something or something else will assist you with and it doesn't matter what you're playing now some don't have dark vision and i've heard the argument that you don't you shouldn't play races or species that don't have dark vision I'm not telling you how to play your character. Nobody should tell you how to play your character. You should play your character how you have fun. The next thing you get is Warding Flare. This is a very cool roleplay and non-roleplay ability that these clerics have. Basically, you transpose light in between you and the enemy. 
this lets you use like little light flares, like the sun flares, like a solar flare, and you can cause disadvantage to your enemies as a reaction. You're limited to how many times you can do this, and, and this one is your wisdom modifier. So just keep that in mind. But wisdom is the what they would call a key ability or the main ability for clerics, at least for their spells. When we get to paladins, we'll we'll talk about how you don't have to use your key spell abilities to build it because spells aren't the same for paladins. You can as well. There's nothing wrong with it. Where everybody gets channel divinity. We get turn undead, and eventually that comes destroy undead. With light cleric, you get another option for your channel divinity. You don't get more channel divinities, but if you use your channel divinity, you can also do radiance of dawn. You literally can harness the sun, and it does damage to foes. I mean, basically, you can become the sun, but your holy symbol is still the focus of the positive energy, and the positive energy in this cleric manifests as the sun, or solar, or fire, or however you want to put it. Later on, you can use that um, to have creatures attack other creatures other than you again this is literally you versus six other people you can have those people potentially hurt each other using your channel divinity until you run out of them we've talked about this before because clerics get this potential spell casting is uh, a thing that some get where they can add their wisdom modifier to cantrips that they cast and when it comes to Cleric spell casting, it's usually hit or miss, but it's nice to have the extra damage when they do hit. As an example, uh, Sacred Flame, the enemy does a dexterity save, you do 1d8 of damage. Now you do 1d8 plus your wisdom modifier damage. At 17th level, for one minute, you can create sunlight, literal sun, using the Corona of Light. This has other effects as well. And you can do it to cause disadvantage on attacks against you. You can, you can use it to do damage, etc. It is the sun, if I remember it right. And then, of course, the domain spells. Every cleric gets a set of domain spells as they go up. So if you take the domain of light at first level, you get Burning Hands, which is a very underrated spell a lot of times. And then my favorite or... One of my favorite, but I know it's Mike's favorite first level spell in D&D, is Fairy Fire. So Burning Hands does damage in like a flame effect coming out of your fingertips, which is neat, or however you want to spin it, as long as the effect mechanics are the same at my table. I encourage that. Um, and then Fairy Fire, which is pretty much, um, what did I call it? Uh, uh, yeah, Stripper stripper Dust, where you, you throw it out. It may or may not cling to somebody depending on their save rolls, but allow you to have advantage and never lose anybody in the dust <laughs> that's affected by it. Flaming Spear, uh, excuse me, Flaming Sphere and Scorching Ray at third level. Both of these are attack and fire damage spells. As you get to fifth level, you get Daylight, and of course you get Fireball, because what light, Cleric? What holy avenger of the sun <laughs> who has light at their very touch would not have fireball it's no longer just a cleric thing or excuse me it's no longer just a wizard thing it's seventh level guardian of faith and wall of fire 
and ninth level frames, uh, flame strike and scrying. Scrying's awesome. Doesn't make sense to have it focused onto this class, but it is neat. Unless you're playing your light cleric as the mantra of you can't hide anything because there is no dark. It'd be cool, as I said before, to be a pyro cleric of some kind, preaching how fire is a living creature and that it, it is life and it is fair, whatever. Have fun with it. Speak of fire. Because let's just be honest, any problem can be solved with fire. I've said it before as a joke. I still say it as a joke, but it is a joke. Do not solve all your problems with fire. <laughs> I know some of you are like, oh. Nature clerics are interesting. So when I first saw nature clerics, I didn't understand the concept of them because we had druids. But like anything else, we can have radical beings. And I'm going to use druids as my radical, my militant plant lovers, tree lovers, forest lovers, environment lovers. And you can still now be a cleric where you don't have to be that militant of one, but you can still love, appreciate, or preach about the nature and nature around us. Right off the bat, just to combine the two, you get to choose one druid spell from their spell list. You can take one of the skills in either animal handling, nature, or survival, and I would... Ask yourself how you want to play this cleric of nature before you choose which one of these. If you want to be a cleric that's more associated as a ranger, you want to take to survival. If you really want to just know about nature itself and be that kind of cleric, I would take nature and then animal handling if you're more about the creatures of nature. Every little thing that I do, I take with a reason, a part of the story, part of my background, proud of who I am. You do gain heavy armor because who doesn't want heavy armor? But that's when I realized that this cleric was not the druid cleric, but a cleric of nature. Unless you're playing in a campaign like I have, where I have iron wood, or you can wear heavy armor that's not made of metal, you could follow the druid tenets of shunning or hating people who use metal, or you could use metal because you're just a cleric of nature serving a certain god. And that would be interesting to play if you came across NPC druids or there was a druid in your game. And it would be interesting to give for the roleplay. Again, the Channel Divinity Turn Undead does not go away, but Channel Divinity Charm Animals and Plants is now our new thing. And I always laugh because it is plants. So basically when you invoke your holy symbol and the positive energy comes out all plants and beasts in 30 feet make a wisdom save good luck there dms and if they do all of them are charmed by you now this is a short amount of time you have a limited number of these but they can really help you when you're lost in a campaign and need some direction and dms encourage it because sometimes we just need the players to find some direction within the game <clears throat> The next one would be Dampen Elements, which I find interesting because it makes me think more about the elements of nature than nature itself. And at this point, you have such control over the elements of nature that you can grant resistance as a reaction for one instance if the damage is acid, cold, fire, lightning, or thunder. And I'm, I'm going to name them out because they're not always the same for this cleric type. Um, 
sometimes these cleric types have differences. Uh, this cleric type, excuse me, has different resistances or other things that it does, and it only affects certain of those. But our natural damages are acid, cold, fire, lightning, and thunder. And you can, if somebody's getting hit with like a cone of cold, you can, as a reaction, cause one creature to have resistance to cold for that one turn. Divine Strike in this one, and as we go through these, realize that each Divine Strike is unique when that cleric has it to them. And I always laugh and point out that it's no longer just a Paladin thing, but now it's a Cleric thing, but it's not the same. So our Divine Strike as a Nature Cleric will deal extra damage in the form of a natural element, but we only get to choose either Cold, Fire, or Lightning for this one. If you make it, or your campaign goes to 7th level, or 17th level, excuse me, you gain the ability to command animals and plants. So while you're using your channel Divinity, which is charming animals and plants, if that's in effect, you can do it to give commands to those animals and plants. Charm does not mean the person or thing or object or whatever is listening to you. It means it doesn't see you as an enemy. And those that you designate as friends, it also sees as friends. This steps that up one further and allows you, at that, the failed plants and animals to obey the commands that you can give them. So the domain spells for Nature Cleric, at first level, you get Animal Friendship and Speak with Animals. That's a little bit more... At this point, I wish... Nature clerics had the realm of the environment, full nature, and animal like they do with the survival and stuff where you could choose because animal friendship and speak with animals, if you're just worried about the environment, is cool. Who doesn't want to pet? Who doesn't want to talk to animals? But really doesn't focus on what we want them to focus on, but we don't have that choice. If you talk to your DM, you might. And that's up to you and your DM. At third level of spell casting, we get bark skin and spike growth. At fifth level of spell casting, we get plant growth and wind wall. I love that a lot of these have the wall spells in them. Wind wall can be a lifesaver. One day I'll tell you, when we get into spells, I'll tell you about how some people have used it in some of my campaigns. It's been really good. And slightly disappointing as a DM when something fails that would have been a lot of fun and falls a thousand feet to its death. At seventh level of spellcasting, we get Dominate Beast and Grasping Vine. And at ninth level, we get Insect Plague and the Tree Stride, which I love Tree Stride. My high-level Druid NPCs always have this spell available to them. And now... I don't have to do a full druid. I can have clerics, and I might institute that on Monday nights. This cleric gives you options. Like I said before, you don't have to do the militant as a druid, but the shared beliefs of nature, following the nature or natural god, following the birth god. They may be more worldly. They may still want to protect nature and its elements. They may be as militant, or maybe they see themselves as fallen from the druid order, but doing their druid duty, as we see a lot of 
protagonists in really good shows going against the beliefs of who they're trying to protect. That takes us to the third one that I'm going to do tonight, or third, fourth, whatever. This will be the last one I do tonight. We're going to do the cleric of, or the domain of order. Order and peace, I've heard, are very strong, and I can, I see that. I do. So a domain of order gives us the voice of authority. So you can give your party members an extra attack in the form, I'm not sure, I believe this might be in the form of a reaction, or it might be an extra attack. I'd have to look it up, and I I wasn't prepared for that on my own. But the extra attack is kind of OP because the voice of authority, I'm not even sure it has a limit. I think it's just once a turn you can get somebody to do that. Your channel divinity is orders demand. So again, remember, you always have that turn undead and destroy undead as you get higher. But you can exert your presence and make all creatures make a save or be charmed by you. You use the the positive energy of the positive energy plane, as we've talked to before, and basically use that to influence the minds of those around you. You get embodiment of the law. Again, you can... Use enchantment spells at first or higher level. They stop being an action, if they're an action, and become bonus actions instead. This is limited, but it is a neat effect. And so changing that also lets you do other things. Clerics always have the ability to also attack. They don't do as many attacks. Their attacks usually don't do more damage, but it is something that a cleric has. They're not cast all your spells and you're done, they always have that option. I think clerics, outside of bards, clerics have a lot of options, especially in fights. And and it gives them a little upper hand if you're a person searching for options, but if you're trying to play more of a simple game and not have a lot of options, be careful playing clerics. <laughs> but basically, whatever your wisdom modifier is, that's how many times you could do the embodiment of law every day. This one also has Divine Strike, and this attaches Psychic Damage, and all Divine Strike is once per turn. So you hit with a spell, you can do a little, or hit with an attack, a melee attack, and you do a little extra damage, is what that is. And you you do have to hit, but that's what it is. And it's once per turn, because if you multi-class, get multiple attacks, you can only use this once. If you make it high enough, you get Order's Wrath. So when you do Divine Strike damage to a creature, you now curse that creature. And until your next turn, if anyone else hits that creature, they do an extra 2d8 psychic damage to that creature as well. Order is really interesting in the way that it was built, but it's more interesting in the way I believe people would play it. The domain spells for the Order domain is Command and Heroism. Heroism, I don't think, is used a lot, but unlike other editions or even like Pathfinder, heroism is, what's the word I heard before, nerfed a little bit for 5e. It still is pretty amazing. It still gives you some things, but it's not as much as it used to be. And I think people, when they pick spells, don't think about the overall. They just want the most. And and there's nothing wrong with that. Me personally, I like heroism. I believe it's a good spell, and I do use it. At third level of spell casting, you get Hold Person and Zone of Truth. I like this as an order, a cleric of order, the truth would be important. At fifth level, you get Mass Healing Word, which is awesome. 
wish you had the bonuses for Life Cleric for that, but it is what it is. And Slow at level 7, or excuse me, 7th level spell casting, you get Compulsion and Locate Creature. And at ninth level, you get Commune and Dominate Person. Think about it. This is a cleric that just wants order. From their point of view, cough, cough, Obi-Wan Kenobi, which would be an interesting play in the order domain. I got a little time. Let's try to jump into peace because I got through order pretty fast. So peace clerics start off with implement of peace. So they gain proficiency in one of the, the skills that they name, which are only three, insight, performance, or persuasion. Another thing that they gain is something called emboldening bond. Now this, the peace cleric is really cool because everything is going to expand, not everything, but as you move on, emboldening bond will expand out a little bit. It, it's kind of interesting what this does as you get on into the expansive bonds and protective bonds and stuff for the peace cleric. Uh, but basically, emboldening bond is an action you just choose creatures up to your proficiency bonus, and and it does include yourself. So if you choose yourself, that's taking up one of those slots. And you add a D4 to their attacks, abilities, or saving rolls as long as they're within 30 feet of another bonded character. So not you, but another bonded character. And this lasts for 10 minutes. Uh, it... It's a really interesting, every point matters, if you remember. Every one point really does matter. It usually does change the game in a lot of games that I've played as well. Your channel divinity is something called Balm of Peace. This takes a full action, but you basically can move without provoking attacks uh, of opportunity through a battlefield up to your movement speed. If you move within five feet of another creature during this, you can restore 2d6 plus your wisdom modifier hit points back to that creature. They can only accept it once, so you can't just walk away from and back to a creature. When you use this, it only happens once. I was telling you guys about protective bond. So when you're using your emboldening bond, so when you use the, that um, ability the action that you use to bond creatures together, you or another bonded creature can actually teleport, and, and it has to be a bonded creature, can actually teleport to another bonded creature's location. Again, they have to be within 30 feet. And if they're being attacked, you can take all the damage instead. That creature that teleports can take all the damage instead. I like this aspect, and I built a character around protecting one of my teammates a lot, little overprotection. I didn't take the Cleric of Peace, but it would have worked if I would have thought that's where that, that would have went, because that's a really neat part to use your emboldening bond moves to protective bond. This Cleric domain comes back to the potential spellcasting, and if this is your first time hearing it, basically any uh, Cleric cantrip that you use that causes damage you can now add your wisdom modifier to that damage now we've gone through emboldening bond protective bond now we're going to go to expansive bond as as if we get far enough along in this cleric type we get the expanding bond expansive bond which expands the emboldening bond and protective bond from 30 feet to 60 feet and when those bonded people take damage they have resistance to the damage Bond your barbarians, y'all. The domain spells of this, again, at first level, will be heroism and also sanctuary. 
And if you remember, our domain spells don't change, and they don't affect the spells that we take. You get Sanctuary and Heroism, you never change that, and you get to use them. At third level of spell casting, you get Aid and Warding Bond. Be careful of Warding Bond. Read that before you use it. It has downfalls to it. Um, i got to hurry up a little bit. I'm running out of time. At fifth level of spell casting, you get Beacon of Hope and Sending. At level seven, you get Aura of Purity and Autoluke's Resilient Sphere. I had to think about it because I always mispronounce it. Ninth level of spell casting, you get Greater Restoration, which is always useful. And Rari's Telepathic Bond because of the other bonds that are here. This really does help, especially in smaller parties when you're going to be able to bond everybody together sooner. This cleric is a person who wants the party to be unified, but to be as one in that unification. They don't want to be protective alone. They want everybody in the party to be protective of everybody else. They serve and preach that differences don't mean different, and especially when it comes to goals. And I like it because the, the uh, domain of peace really represents what our tables should become when we are playing D&D. Clerics are amazing. We're almost done. I think I got one more session. We'll probably get through the final four next week. I'm surprised it's only taking us four of these. I thought it was going to be more when I was reading through it. Our tables need to be good tables. People should want to come to our tables. And I don't mean the people want to play with the DM. I'm saying that all players want to play with each other. We all create either a good, positive playing experience, no matter what game we are playing, or we create a toxic experience, and we do that together. And so make sure that your table is accepting, wanting. Do not shun chains, change. Try to make change available. I, I encourage new DMs all the time to attempt to say yes to your your players, but be careful so they don't walk all over you. But your players should also have boundaries and limits on what they're doing as well. It's what makes a unique and fun game. Remember, I love you, love everybody, keep it nerdy, and live your dreams. Later. This has been a NerdWorks production.